welcome back to Literally Literary. If this is your first time joining us, be sure to check out our previous episodes. This episode, we are beginning our discussion on A Ballad of Love and Glory by Reina Grande. In this episode, we will be discussing an overview of the novel and part one. Hey guys, how's it going? Welcome back. How are you all doing? Fine. Splendid. <laughs> just fine? Yeah, just yeah. fine. How are you doing, Vanessa? Oh, I thought that, oh, yeah. Feeling okay? Also, how yes, about same. You yeah, I'm good. <laughs> so we have this tome in our hands. <laughs> tome. <laughs> so, tome, it's a good, I think it's an appropriate word. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, sure. <laughs> <clears throat> so welcome back to the podcast. Um, today we're starting a new book, a big novel, <laughs> called A Ballad of Love and Glory by Maitokaya Reina Grande, um, who also wrote The Distance Between Us, which is the only other book I've read by her. Have you all read anything else by Reina? You haven't. No. Nope. This is my first one. I have not. Although okay. you had mentioned reading Distance Between Us. Mm-hmm. I did. And um, just of what I'm familiar with her offhand, um, she writes a lot about immigration and her own experiences. Mm-hmm. Is, and so this is a kind of a, a difference, right? Yeah, this is a departure, although she's still talking about borders and uh, being foreigners in our own land and that kind of mm-hmm. thing. But... Distance Between Us was more of a memoir and um, very close to her own story, uh, Crossing the River when she was young with her sister. Did you read that for your classes? Um, I read it because I wanted to assign it in my Chicano Lit class. Mm. So, um, yeah, I forced, not forced myself to read it, but, you know, I was like, okay, I want to assign this book, so I have to read it in the summer. Um, and I'm glad I did. And my students really, uh, enjoyed it. They appreciated it. Um, enjoyed in the sense that, you know, it, it was something that they're like, wow, this is talking about the borderland and it's talking about my parents' experience or my grandparents' experience or, you know, things they could relate to. Mm-hmm. Um, but that being said, it was also very, a very, um, hard book to read, you know, it was really sad. There were lots of moments where I, I was like, I needed to put it down and just mm. stop reading because I couldn't go on reading it. So, um, yeah, this book has definitely, even though we've just read part one, it's, it's a departure. Um, even though we're seeing a lot of the same themes and stuff, mm-hmm. but mm. I think because of the genre and because of when it takes place historically, um, I think we already feel like detached from this one as opposed to the distance between us. At least how that, that's how I felt. Mm. Um, so, well, before we, we even start getting into the book, I wanted to thank the publisher. Atria books. Is that how you would pronounce it? Or I, I would have said the same. Atria, Atria sounds pretty cool too. <laughs> Atria Books, um, for sending us advanced reader copies um, for the podcast. We really, truly appreciate that. Um, her book 
just came out on the 15th, though. Officially. So it is officially out, and you can order it, and you can read it with us. Um, so I just wanted to get that out of the way. <clears throat> mm -hmm. And... Uh, oh, uh, Atria is Atria is an imprint of Simon & Schuster. Mm -hmm. um, I do want to mention that there is a really nice um, coverage on the Simon & Schuster website of the book. That uh, in addition to just you know a brief synopsis, and uh, there's a there's a reading group guide as well as like study questions. Mm. So if you are thinking about implementing in this in the classroom in, in any way, um, there are some good questions to I think provide to. Or if you have a a, a book club, we haven't really addressed yeah. that part in this in this podcast, but definitely lots of people have book clubs, and you know I think. Since we're looking at Texas and the history of Mexico and its relation mm -hmm. to Texas, um, it'd be worth reading, you know? And so if you're a book club reading that likes historical fiction or, or is interested in reading about it, I think I think it is an interesting topic. So uh, Historical fiction and romance. Right. So I don't know if you want to get into mm. that right away. Um, we've talked about it beforehand, but uh, mm -hmm. this is a, a specific genre that we're not too familiar with or read a whole lot of. Mm, yeah. Personally, right? Um, I, you know, it was a, a little bit harder to get on. I'm, I've read historical fiction, but not with the the romance, heavily romance element. But mm -hmm. who does? <laughs> I know. I think that's kind of what makes it stand out. It's very cool, mm -hmm. and I really like the inspiration for how she brought both of those together. Mm -hmm. um, the romance. Yeah, yeah. So, like the the historical fiction part, she she did her research. She had um, her resources, historians and stuff. Um, she was writing this novel for years and years. Mm -hmm. I want to say like eight, around six or seven or something like that. Yeah, I remember reading that too. Um, so that she wanted to write about, and and she touches on that in her letter to the reader, um, in the beginning of this book. Um, where it was kind of like something that I think a lot of us have in common. We're like, well, I didn't learn about that until I was in college or I didn't read any black authors until this, or, you know, like mm -hmm. you aren't exposed to a lot of things um, in the canon or in the curriculum that our schools um, right. have for us. Right. It's just and if like, we did, it was like a brief footnote. Yeah. And unless we were interested and, and did our own research, looked into it, Went to the library, like that was it. That's all we got. Yeah. Um, I remember reading yeah. about uh, the San Patricio um, rebellion and all that, but um, it was it was very brief. It wasn't you know as well documented. Mm -hmm. So it's really cool to read it from this perspective, you know, mm -hmm. and um, you know later on in life too, just kind of knowing a lot more too about the history of the U.S. and this area. Um, one of the things you mentioned in the letter that I think she, I really appreciate from, from Reina Grande is that she, you know, she's trying to have us think about uh, currently, you know, there's all, a lot of anti-immigration rhetoric on, you know, mm -hmm. Mexicans in, in these territories. And I think it just people who, who are taking part in these discussions and, and adding to this anti-immigration rhetoric are failing to understand the, the history of the region, right? And so mm -hmm. a very specific instance where a lot of these lands were Mexico. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that uh, Grande is calling attention to, right? And, mm -hmm. uh, 
you know, speaking of the immigrant experience, talking about that of the of the Irish Catholics who came to the U.S. during uh, <clears throat> the potato famine. Mm-hmm. Just uh, another story of immigrants being treated poorly, right? Mm. Yeah. Trying to find a better life. Yeah. Are so this about? is an advanced review copy. We are seeing. Yes. I found I found some errors, by the way. <laughs> then you guys, when you were reading, I was like, "Yeah, ah, found one, found one." <laughs> I know. I find those in like already published books mm, too, and yes. that upsets me so much because I'm like, really, people? Like, how many people read this and didn't catch that typo? You know. Mm. Oh, mm. so talking about book clubs, mm. um, and like the. Usually the paperbacks are the ones that have like the questions in the back or whatever. Right. Just notice that um, Sabrina and Corina, which I'm teaching for um, my Chicano Lit class, has some of those questions, um, like specific to stories and then other non-specific like questions about like Thematic. Chicano literature yeah. or yeah stuff like that, uh. which is really cool and and I do appreciate that you bring up book clubs because I think they're so important and just like talking about books on mm. a podcast, you know, like we need it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so we just uh, recently had a conversation with uh, Maurice Carlos Ruffin and he did bring up how he appreciates how laid back we are during <laughs> these, which I, I feel better about because sometimes I feel like, are we too casual? Mm-hmm. But this is essentially what it is. We're just... Getting yeah, together yeah. to talk about a book we're reading. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Uh, we have our, our listeners, you beautiful listeners. <laughs> and, uh, more than welcome to join the conversation by participating on our social media, leaving mm-hmm. comments, messages. Uh, and if you do, we can bring it up on, on an episode, you know, if yeah. we do have one coming up. Yeah, that'd be great. We would love to interact with you all. So, uh Raina Grande has been uh, reaching out. I know that she also was recently interviewed by our buddies at Words on the Wire uh, mm-hmm. program put on by KTEP and, and the creative writing department, our friends Tim Hernandez and Daniel Chacon. Mm-hmm. Shout out to them. Yeah. yeah, I haven't listened to the episode, but I'm sure it's great. I don't think it's out yet. Oh, okay. I think they were promoting that They're it's going to be out. Yeah. Very cool, yeah. But, uh, yeah, interested to see like what they think about the book versus what we think about it. <laughs> um, yeah, so we were talking about the letter to the reader and how I think we appreciate, you know, what she's trying to say about um, how outsiders see invasion and the purpose for war and um, honor and duty and those kinds of things, right, that are always, like, glorified and stuff. So I really appreciate that and then just what we're given in schools mm-hmm. um, and the want and need to learn more about it. And so this was, like, her way of wanting to learn more about it, writing a book about it and researching it and so talking to research. people. It was very, very mm-hmm. cool, like, very admirable. Um, I mean, I think it was really fascinating, you know, mm-hmm. as, as a writer, you always seek to, to capture that verisimilitude. You guys, you guys have your vocabulary list with you, very vocabulary, 
But, you know, she, I remember <laughs> reading how Durande did so much research on even just wanting to capture the the truthfulness of the Irish dialogue and yeah. the way they talk. And um, so she read letters and letters and accounts mm-hmm. and, and books and consulted historian, uh, a historian. Um, and it's funny, this interview I was reading from, from the Los Angeles Times, it got to a point where someone had commented that her her Irish sounds more Irish than her Mexican sounds Mexican. You know? Oh, my gosh. So I'm like, oh, wow. So she really put her work into it is what I'm saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's funny how they would say that. I mean, you don't have to compare the two, but okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, that's really cool. I mean, I was I was kind of taken aback by that because, you know. I'm like, what's the Irish tongue that they keep talking about? And did have to look stuff up mm-hmm. too. And I'm like, la, mm-hmm. la, it is very cool. La chata, or la, I don't see. I don't know how they say it. I have to look it up. Yeah, uh, I don't. I don't know either. Am I gonna try? Can we get some Irishmen <laughs> to please chime in and <laughs> let us know how to pronounce? Like in in my <laughs> mind, I read it in kind of like the Irish dialect of what I know of it mm-hmm. from Hollywood. Yeah, uh, you know, TV or movies. I wouldn't. Sure. I wouldn't dare to to try and reproduce it. No, please don't. No, so <laughs> unless you subscribe to the po- a Patreon, <laughs> a Patreon, <laughs> which doesn't exist yet, but <laughs> it's just a, it's a long running joke. Yes, <laughs> for content outside of I the know. show. I know. We need to stop. Well, maybe, <clears> one, maybe one day it will be a reality. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> well, we were talking about the genre, right? You had commented on that too, right? As a Did historical, I? as a historical fiction romance. Um, yeah, like for your classes, have you had to read any historical fiction, or for Not pleasure? Historical fiction. Um, I read a lot of stuff that was written during the same times. Mm-hmm. I think. Um, which was eighteen forty six. I want to say yeah. Is when Expansion the story the takes place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. I think it's interesting in comparison to like a lot of the other stuff that we've read um, because we have like a lot of what resulted from this same war is kind of like what we've focused on in our readings in past books. Um, Like people who, I guess, whose families and ancestors were affected by the war. Intergenerational. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So it's interesting to read something based on on this war um and also especially because it is focused on the irish battalion rather than like mexican people i guess mm-hmm. like from their perspective of yeah and a little bit of both so yeah. um richie was talking a little bit about the um inspiration behind the character of jimena um, which is the Mexican side, right? And Jimena before, and before and the show, no, no, yeah, <laughs> right, pre-show. Sorry. Um, and those characters, in also in the letter that that Grande gives us in the beginning, she's saying how, you know, it's just from a tiny little poem that she got this character inspiration for Jimena. Um, but yet yeah. she's like the richest character in in the novel. Mm-hmm. Um. 
And we've seen a bit of her so far, and I really am enjoying her character because she's Mexican, um, because she has like this curandera Mm -hmm. um, background, and she has her grandmother, like there's that matriarchy aspect of it. Um, And I really like the way that her chapters are written, very beautifully written. Um, so I, I, I am enjoying her character a lot, but I really, I don't know, Rich, if you want to talk a little bit about that poem that inspired right. her well, character. I mean, so this goes back to the letter at the very beginning of our, our copy and we'll, we'll see. I mean, maybe next time I'm at, I'm at Barnes and Noble, I'll, I'll go and pick up a copy and see what's, mm. what's stuck around for the final. Cause uh, yeah. it'd be great if this letter stuck there. I mean, I don't see why they would take it out, but yeah, yeah. I love that she details the whole process, honestly. Um, from the fact that, really, um, this all sparked from from a reading she did of another of her works, and you know, someone from the audience had asked her if she'd heard about this the San Patricio Rebellion, and and of mm-hmm. course that piqued her interest and and led to research, and you know, through that she started writing about Riley first and this whole experience, but it wasn't until coming across the the John Greenleaf Whittier poem mm-hmm. that. She really finds um, her character in Jimena that she wants to explore further because this is all that exists. But she grows so much, again, from her own background. And she talks about this, you know, Mm. bringing her own grandmother into it. And and Grande talks about this, you know, including aspects of her grandmother and her family and her her other writing, Grandismo and, like, the healer. And because of this, even though she's added later on, becomes such a huge... Uh, linchpin to the entire story and of course the romance right mm-hmm. um so yeah uh it is it does come from Whittier's poem the angels of Buena Vista 1847 and uh, I don't know do you want to read it Vanessa sure yeah I can read, <laughs> yeah. I can read it teamwork <laughs> um speak and tell us our Jimena looking northward far away or the camp of the invaders or the Mexican array Who is losing? Who is winning? Are they far or come they near? Look abroad and tell us, sister, whither rolls the storm we hear? Should I read the second verse too? Please. Okay. (laughs) This feels like class. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Down the hills of Angostura? Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Down the hills of Angostura, still the storm of battle rolls. Blood is flowing. Men are dying. God have mercy on their souls. Who is losing? Who is winning? Over hill and over plain, I see but smoke of cannon clouding through the mountain. Rain. Oh, dramatic pause. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to. I just got stuck. <laughs> yeah. 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 What you're using a very like classical uh, metric there. You know. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But from there we get our character of Jimena, and you know her her grandmother, as we said, Nana is such an important character early on what do we learn from her are we jumping too early into this i don't know are we you know this is the first episode we usually kind of like casually start to bring up themes and characters and do we yeah. want to get into that just yet i mean we can we can talk about her like i think i already started to anyway like her her grandmother right. and and the relationship she has with her mm-hmm. she learned she's yeah, learning sure. um curanderismo from her says she has like the gift of healing Mm-hmm. Um, which is taught, but it's also something that 
we learn you're you're kind of born with too. Um, mm-hmm. So Nana Hortensia is like the OG <laughs> curandera healer um, in their little Mexican town, and um, Jimena has a husband, Joaquin. I don't know if we want to get into that. <laughs> Um, we can talk a little bit. I mean, yeah, because in the back of the book, it says what happens to Joaquin. So it's not like Does really it? a spoiler. I know. It's because I got in trouble it last time for spoiling stuff. It feels like stuff. a spoiler. It I'm is. It does, but it happens in like the early. Also, it's a romance and, and Joaquin isn't there. So yeah, he kind of has to be out of the picture. Yeah. <laughs> well, of course, he's, a, you know, at the beginning. it doesn't mention what happens to him, you liar. Oh, yes, it does. Oh, it does. <laughs> I'm like, yes. It's because like it. it doesn't say his name. It says her husband. Well, I mean. That's why I didn't catch it. So she has a husband. Mm-hmm. And his, his name, name is Joaquin. Joaquin. <laughs> You're so hot, Joaquin. Uh, that's another, that's another. Stuff. Um, Are you telling yourself to stop? <laughs> yeah, I did. No. Yes. <laughs> he even did the hand when he was stop. <laughs> <laughs> laugh break. This is a laugh break. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm like, who are you telling to stop? Nobody's saying Okay. Can't work like this. I know. With these working conditions. Mm-hmm. I mean, so from the, from the very early on in the chapters, you know, we get a sense of this disputed territory. And it's disputed in the sense that it's Mexico's land. But, of course, like mm-hmm. always, U.S. is like, well, you know, we're just going to take it. You know, we're going to start occupying this land. Um, there's no declaration of war, by the way. And so that's mm-hmm. kind of one of the things. Mm-hmm. And so up until that point, uh, <clears throat> Joaquin makes sure to stay kind of neutral mm-hmm. for the most part. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is, of course, until um, they've had enough of them invading the land. So, um, you know, Jimena had not known him too long, I think, right? Joaquin? Right. Or maybe, I don't know. Like, um, I mean, well, she has a memory of, of like when they first met because uh, really what they do is they have their, their ranch and they deal in horses. Mm-hmm. Right. And so... Yeah, I don't get a sense that they were like. I mean, she. I feel like she's pretty young, and yeah, they're both young, and anyway, <sighs> yeah. And then so like the way that it's laid out in the beginning is Jimena's chapter, and then John Riley's chapter. Right. So we're getting mm-hmm. both stories, and then obviously they converge, um, from the Mexican side, and then the U.S. side. Mm-hmm. Um, John Riley is also conflicted. With his role mm-hmm. um, as an Irish soldier, they had Irish, Danish, German. Um, I don't know what some other immigrants. Yeah, um. and wasn't he originally with the U.S. and then he switched sides? Well, that's right. one of the points is that he deserts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. And um, early on, you learn that uh, a lot of people are a lot of the Irish uh, because one is. Early on, too, we learn how terribly they're treated by the mm-hmm. the U.S. soldiers. The, we call them nativists. And uh, 
The Yankees also. The Yankees. 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 I'm a New York Yankees <laughs> fan. Sorry. I kind of keep going back to the baseball team. <sighs> Stop. Okay. <laughs> um, also, one of the things that's mentioned very briefly, I think that's interesting, is uh, you still have this concept that if you are uh, a slave, that if you flee into Mexico, you'd be considered free. Mm-hmm. So you have some mm-hmm. of the slaves that they bring along that escape. But um, of course, um, obvi- you know, obviously the U.S. doesn't want this, so they're gunned down or they're, they're attacked. They're, um, they're mistreated, you know. Uh, it's dangerous too, right, because they do have to cross the, the Rio Bravo or Rio Grande. It depends what side you're looking on, right? Mm-hmm. And... Um, <clears throat> Yeah, I guess ultimately to kind of go back to your point, what we're dealing with with a lot is divided loyalties. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And something that uh, Riley as a historical figure has, you know, prior to this, he's already felt like he's had to make tough decisions, right, to provide Mm -hmm. for his family. family Being Irish, he also Mm -hmm. ended up serving for the English. Yeah. And as we know, that's not. You know, the English same. It's you know, you have the conflict with Irish as well. So he felt he was like a traitor then already. Um and so And a lot of them saw him as a traitor too. Yeah, so even then he was isolated amongst his people. Mm. His people. Mm -hmm. His peeps. And he didn't talk about the potato famine, which you also talked about earlier. I don't know if that was Mm. pre show or I might have briefly mentioned it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um so there's a lot going on, right? Like he's he's torn yet. I think he has a wife and kid, mm-hmm. or maybe just a wife. Through historical, he it's a um, yeah, it's a wife and kid. Um, okay. <laughs> I think through historical research, he has a son. They're never sure if he actually does have a wife. Oh, okay. But for the In sake the of the story, mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. she's sending him letters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and of course, they're they're separated. I mean, he's in she's in Ireland, and mm-hmm. they're, they're struggling. And um, spoiler, no spoilers. But something happens. (laughs) Something happens and then something else happens after that. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But it is tough, right? I mean, you know, you talked about how even even among the the Irish troops recruited here, um, how he's isolated for the very fact that he was a traitor to them too, considered, right? Because he fought Mm -hmm. with the English. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a very interesting backstory added here. and so at the onset, you already have this this concept of the fact that sto- soldiers are uh, defecting to the Mexican side. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, in particular with the Irish, one of the things that we'll see all throughout and maybe get a little bit more in depth for the second episode is just, I mean, a lot of the similarities. First of all, the Catholicism, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like bells, right, or a lot of church bells mm-hmm. are like very symbol through and it is something that unites very on Riley's big on his faith and he's always questioning um his choices and his decisions um and he's often thinking of you know his the Mexican counterparts who are a lot Catholic as well yeah I I kind of like that um how they talk about religion how they address Catholicism and it being like strictly Catholic strictly Mexican or like at least heavily influenced or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Um, 
but going back to like the whole curanderismo thing, I also like how even with Nana Hortensia and Jimena, like curanderismo is often seen as like, oh, um, witchcraft, witchcraft sometimes, mm-hmm. or like it's more spiritual than than religious or, mm-hmm. but they mix both here. Um, these characters do in the novel. So I really enjoy that because they're like doing limpias for like mm-hmm. sustos and stuff mm-hmm. um, and different kind of healing rituals. Um, but they're also like, oh, well, make sure you pray for his soul and kind of stuff like that. So still heavily influenced by Catholicism, mm-hmm. um, which brings Jimena and John Riley together, I think, too. Mm-hmm. Um and so we're like, you know, nearing the end. Well, we actually read all of part one, right? Mm-hmm. So <laughs> in part one, um, as I mentioned, we have like first their separate stories and then they're, they converge, right? So we have Jimena meet John Riley after John Riley has deserted. He's crossed the river successfully with like eight or nine of his own um, troops. He becomes a lieutenant. Um, immediately for the Mexican army, right? Mm-hmm. And um, Jimena and Anortensia take on the role as like um, army nurses, kind of, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's how she meets John <coughs> Riley, I think. I want to say. Um, and so we're not seeing a lot of the romance yet. Um, mm-hmm. A little bit in her chapters. Um, where she, you know, talks about his physique or things like that where, you know, it's kind of hinting <laughs> towards <laughs> some attraction and him as well. Like he talks a little bit about Jimena too, um, but not too much tension yet. Um, but they are sharing a lot together. So she's healing a lot of his men and, and you know, he's like the brave soldier and – they talk a lot about what each side is doing. And so that's kind of cool too, seeing that, you know, he's willing to talk to her Mm. about this stuff. Whereas in other, I mean, again, I'm not too familiar with like this kind of genre, but it just seems like they they would dismiss the women or the women do this. They have these roles and we're not going to talk about war or policy or anything like that. But he's telling her, oh, no, this is what the men are doing, and this is what this guy's doing. And so they're talking about it together. They're forming a bond, um, and, and she's open. Yeah, so you you talked about the genre, and, and um, we don't, we're not too familiar with romance as a genre, but I know you oh, yeah. were texting <laughs> Donna. Do you want to yes, mention a little bit about that and, and the tropes? To, um, Turn the page. <laughs> Turn the page, ink reader. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, um, uh, shout out to Donna Munoz, um, my prima, who's not really my prima, who, um, <laughs> teaches for APCC as well. And she's a romance novelist. And so I was asking her because she gave a, um, a Papagayo workshop, shout out to Papagayo, um, <laughs> shout out to everyone. Yeah. And also shout out to, <laughs> and then Jorge Gomez, I, <laughs> But it's his birthday today. No, it is his birthday. Happy birthday, Jorge. Um, I was asking her about tropes, right? Because there's always a trope 
in a romance, whether it be like a rom-com or romance novel. I don't, I'm not, I was thinking rom-coms because that's what I'm familiar with, not romance novels. Um, and so I was asking her, you know, what's, what are the different types of, um, uh, tropes in which, you know, these two strangers come together. And so she, she sent me a bunch, um, friends to lovers, secret billionaire. I love that one. Uh, that's a, a trope, a secret billionaire. I mean, I guess. Jackpot. <laughs> I've seen that in, um, like reality shows, okay. I guess. Yeah. Uh, stuck together, enemies to lovers, forbidden love, second chance, soulmates, and fake relationship. Hmm. Um, so we were thinking or talking about this pre-show, how maybe friends to lovers, enemies to lovers, second chance, these three tropes, mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. least for how much we've learned about both of these characters, I think those can apply. Um, and then we'll see later if, if yeah. that's. If I mean, that, it seems know. like that's where it's heading. You know, mm-hmm. they they each have the. I already have their lovers. You know, their husband, their spouses, and mm-hmm. kind of takes tragedy to lead them to other places first. But it does seem like they're forming a bond first and foremost, which brings us to like the friends mm-hmm. to lovers trope. You know, mm-hmm. enemies, of course, because they're on different sides at first. Mm-hmm. And then the second chance. Yeah, hey, second chance to love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For Pimena particularly, but yeah, yeah, I think that's really cool. Um, it's helping us also to learn a little bit more about the romance genre and see what else you know Reina Grande does with the novel and with these characters. Um, I'm liking it so far. I'm really digging like how much I'm learning about the Mexican American War. Um, that again, mm-hmm. I haven't really read up on mm-hmm. in I don't know how many years I just I never not that I didn't have an interest in it but I just read about it and I was like okay I think that's all I need to know about this you know but mm. there's all these really cool stories that unless people do the research like she's doing mm-hmm. even though this is historical fiction she's doing other stuff with it she's still educating us about this battalion about it, it is based mm-hmm. on a true battalion who she um, references also in the beginning of the novel in memory of, and she gives all of their names, which I think is very cool. Yeah. It's always um, impressed me about writers of historical fiction, being able to balance that, that line between this is fiction, but it is based on these historical truths. So mm-hmm. navigating that, I am, I'm so always impressed by. I feel like mm-hmm. I would just like start getting too fictional, you know, mm-hmm. and, and sway away. But I, I think she's doing a great job so far. It is, it is very fascinating to read about this moment of time and this particular conflict as well, <laughs> especially through the stories of Jimena and Riley, who is, again, a, an actual figure. Mm-hmm. Whereas Jimenez is fictionalized more and given life from the Whittier poem and Grande's own experiences. Right. Right on. We have two more parts to go over, too. <laughs> <laughs> I know. They're pretty lengthy. Um, it took a while, and, and I we were talking about this pre-show, it took a while to kind of get into the story. I think a lot of it was, for me, because of how much history was in it and it was hard to follow. Yeah. 
But then once, you know, I started learning the character names and what was happening and their motivations and their backstories and stuff, you know, that helped. So now I'm into it. (laughs) Also pacing wise, we had been reading poetry collections, short stories. Mm, Yeah. So I'd gotten kind of used to that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Whereas Mm -hmm. this is, you really have to set aside some time and and, and read through it. And at times I I wasn't used to it. So I was trudging along and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, once you do get a role though, it's, I mean, again, I was like, even just before today, I was like reading through again. Like, oh man, I've only had more time <laughs> to read all these like in leisurely. Mm-hmm. But no, it's 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 going great. Can't wait yeah. to. Uh, we should reach out to her and see if she'd be. Mm-hmm. I mean, she talked to the other guys. <laughs> <laughs> the other guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the other guys. Chacon and Hernandez. I, actually, I didn't see who interviewed her. I think, I think Daniel Chacon. Who's Daniel? Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah, and then it just looks as like a final. Note, unless you guys want to say anything else. Um, <laughs> I mean, we didn't talk about connections. To yeah, I know. Well, that's what I was going to say, actually. Oh, okay. <laughs> but kind of, because we were talking about this pre-show. Um, I, I was reading through and I'm like, this kind of reminds me a little bit of like a farewell to arms. And mm-hmm. just in like the romance story based around like this, um, a war and a nurse and this although he was i think an ambulance driver um and it's kind of crazy to think about reina grande who's this contemporary writer like being um compared to hemingway <laughs> but but i saw some similarities there and we'll have to make sure to ask her if, if we can run. <laughs> how do you feel about being compared to hemingway <laughs> I know. So or if you're listening, kind of... it'd be cool if you're listening right now too. By mm. the way, you know. mm-hmm. it would be cool. <laughs> but what did what uh, were some connections that you were able to pick up on? Um, I thought of Sabrina and Karina and um, Quat Liquid Girl. Okay. Um, I also thought about well, in what aspects? The um, healing aspects. Um. Sabrina and Karina, I can't remember exactly which story it is. Remedies. Remedies, yeah. Where they just I, talk I about I just natural. read it. That's how I remember. <laughs> I'm teaching it right now. <laughs> that's, yes, the remedies. Um, yeah. yeah. Just talking Not because I have it, it like natural right healing. here. No. <laughs> um, and I think in Guatlicua Girl, Greece kind of talks a little bit about mm-hmm. it as well. Um, mm-hmm. I also thought of Poet X and I'm Not Your Perfect Mexican Daughter. Um, there's like a section where just kind of questioning religion, but there's also religion is pretty heavy throughout. I think also in those stories, um, just based on like (coughs) their parents and what their beliefs are. Mm -hmm. Um, but the characters in those stories also kind of question it. Um, and I also thought of Moby Dick probably because that's what I'm reading in my, um, major American writers class. Um, but we just read chapter the chapter fast fish and loose fish um and there was this paragraph i already looked it up <laughs> but um red fish blue fish <laughs> it's kind of talking about territories in the sense in the same sense as loose fish and fast fish hmm. so a loose fish is one that hasn't been caught whereas a fast fish is something that's been caught so the, in the closing paragraph of the chapter um it says 
What was America in, in 1492 but a loose fish, in which Columbus struck the Spanish standard by way of whaling it for his royal master and mistress? What was Poland to the Tsar? What Greece to the Turk? What India to England? What at last will Mexico be to the United States? All loose fish. So I thought that was kind of interesting to like have that comparison like right back to back. The idea that territory is something that can be taken, but here we're kind of also seeing that even though this was like a really popular way of thinking, that there was, it wasn't necessarily a loose fish in the sense that there was already people there. So yeah, just kind of talking about that. Yeah. That's cool. Right on. They wanted to read Moby Dick. I, I just didn't think I was going to like it. it. I didn't think I was going to like it, but I actually really like it. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Well, maybe I'll give it a shot again. <laughs> yeah, read the chapter. Read the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, I remember reading it, too. Um, I think you, said, you hit the nail on the head earlier, too, talking about how a lot of the things that we've read, some of the themes are some kind of echoes mm-hmm. of what, results in kind of the kind of conflicts we're reading about now yeah um i would say even you know if we've read any kind of historical fiction very loosely you know i think of mexican gothic as well where um you know she researched um this colony town in a little bit Mm. of its history Mm -hmm. right as kind of the impetus and setting of of her book there yeah and um yeah i agree completely with what you were saying on those cool <laughs> awesome well we can't wait to read parts two and three which we'll cover next time right with spoilers both of those yeah, yeah all the spoilers probably. probably and then between now and then we'll go and make sure that there aren't too many changes between this copy and the published copy right because one of one of the reasons we also didn't want to maybe dive into it is that there is a a note here, there's a disclaimer on the back of the book where, you know, if you've never had an advanced copy, it's so we can read the book and, and get a sense of it before it's out for purchase. It is now, of course, it's officially out. So if you want to go mm-hmm. pick up a copy, you're more than welcome to. But there is this note, um, <clears throat> do not quote for publication without checking against the finished book. Further information on copyright. So, you know, uh, I don't know. <laughs> being, are we being paranoid, you know? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, Oops. I mean... Nobody even listens to this podcast. It's okay. Nonsense. Hey, if you listen to this podcast, <laughs> give us five thumbs stars. <laughs> yeah. Thumbs up, five stars, whatever you listen to. And uh, don't forget to like and message. subscribe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Kidding>. Smooth segue. <laughs> okay. Prove Raina wrong. You know, Prove like, me you wrong. Know what? I do listen to this. I know. I'm <laughs> just kidding. I, so, I appreciate all of our Her Instagram the handle I'm, is. I'm <laughs> Yo, I'm a king of self-deprecation, so I get it, you know. Okay. Thanks, Vanessa. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Literally Literary, recorded at Power at the Pass, brought to you by Border Senses. This episode, we began our discussion on A Ballad of Love and Glory by Reina Grande. If you haven't read it, we hope we inspire you to pick up a copy. Join us on our next episode and follow us on Instagram at literallyliterary.ep and on Twitter at literallylitep.